I'm so glad that we all have the opportunity to come today to spend time in the reading of the word. If you are here for the first time, this is the read and rant where we spend about 20 minutes reading through scripture, 20 to 30 minutes reading through scripture. And then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture with the time that's afforded to us today. What we're going to do is we're going to finish the book of Mark. We've been journeying through uh, the entire book of Mark. We started with Matthew. Now we're in Mark and we're just going to read through the entire new Testament. And so my desire for you is to commit to just reading through the whole Bible. I do this with the passion of seeing people read through the whole Bible. We have folks who have read through the Old Testament with me and the New Testament with me. And now we're journeying through the New Testament again. And I pray that those of you who read through the New Testament will read through the Old Testament with me as well. And so guys, I look forward. Um, I got no sound on IG. I don't know how that happened. Um, but I'll get, I'll go off and go back on. And if it doesn't work, then it is what it is because we're going to get going. Um, and so guys, I want to encourage you right now, go ahead and, uh, turn your Bibles to the book of Mark. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. And, and I can say, I'll say this before we even get started, that this, this commitment that we make to read the word is, it is life changing. I'm going to explain to you why, because often many people only know scripture within um, or they don't only use scripture in a piecemeal, piecewise way. But when you read the entire scripture, you begin to see how certain scriptures fit within the context of the grand biblical narrative. It is life changing. The second thing is that it allows people to truly see what the Bible actually says, not what somebody told you about what the Bible says, but to actually see what the Bible says, because we have so many people who've either misinterpreted it or allowed people to impose things that the Bible doesn't actually say, or that isn't actually uh, supportive of the entire biblical narrative, but rather they take these little pieces of scripture and they use it to impose their own agenda. And so we've seen this done uh, in politics. We've seen it done in the church where just little, you know, certain portions of the scripture have been used to influence or to, uh, to prostrate power on people, to take advantage of people. And so for me, I believe that when people actually expose themselves to the total text, it changes everything. And that's why we do this. That's why I tell people, don't ever take my word for it. Okay. Don't ever take my word for it. Read it for yourself. I'm just here to draw you to the water so that you can read it for yourself. So with that being said, I want you guys to go ahead and go to Mark chapter 14, and we're going to pray. Um, this isn't a Bible study. We had Bible study yesterday. I hope it was uh, uh, fruitful for you all. All my folks on Discord, I hope it was fruitful for you all. My patrons, don't worry. I will post the Bible study later, and so you'll get the Bible study later. Uh, but if you're not on Patreon, I want to encourage you to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, F-R-E-R-E. I want to encourage you to support us. Join us on Patreon there. And yes, I will be posting it there. Okay. As well as the reading rants. I post the reading rants right away on Patreon. Um, But let's go ahead and get started. This isn't a Bible study. This is a Bible reading. And so we're going to pray and ask God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? 
And the third question we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? Father, we thank you. As we close out the book of Mark, Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, Lord, speak to us, Lord, through your word today. Lord, bless us in this time, Lord, as we all gather together, all different parts of the world coming together, Lord, to read your word. Father, I pray that you would bless this moment, bless this time. Allow us, Lord God, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to be empowered, to go and to do what you've called us to do. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go, y'all. Let's go. Chapter 14, it says this. After two days, it was the Passover and the feast of the unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, the woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. And she broke the flask and poured it on his head. And there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. So Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may have them. You may, you may do them good, but me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world that this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So many things happening in that text. Verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Now, on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there, make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. In the evening, he came with the 12. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and said to him, one by one, is it I? Another said, is it I? And he answered and said to them, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in the dish. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would be good for that man if he had never been born. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. 
And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drink from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Hmm. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. And when they had laid their hands on him and took him, and one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out? as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me. I was daily with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him and fled. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young man laid hold of him and he left him, sorry, he left the linen clock and cloth and fell from them naked. And they laid Jesus away 
to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. But Peter followed him at the distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But not even then did their testimony agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst, asking Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus said to him, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with, coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. And they began to spit on him and to blindfold him and to beat him and say to him, prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. Now, as Peter was below the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth, but he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. And later again, who stood and sorry, and a little later, those who stood said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. The second time the rooster crowed, then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes, chapter 15, sorry. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, it is as you say. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing. So Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was, he was accustomed, sorry. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. 
Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. A pilot answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. Hmm. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to, to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, what then do you want me to do with him whom you call king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them and, de and he delivered them, Jesus, after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away to the hall called Praetorium, and they called together a whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon a, Cyr a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. And they brought to him the place Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with mirth to drink, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. They divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour and they crucified him. And the inscription on the accusation was written above, King of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right, the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which said he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, a chief priest also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness all over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sakbakthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come down. Sorry, will come to take him down. Then Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion stood opposite him and saw that he had cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man is the son of God. 
There were also women looking from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the less, and Joseph, and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now, when evening had come, and because it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went in to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he, that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. When he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he brought fine linen and took him and wrapped him in the linen and he laid him in the tomb which had been hewn out of rock and rolled the tomb against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone? from the door of the tomb. When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. <laughs> he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. And he said, as he said to you. Then they went out quickly, fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early, sorry. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of, the, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went out and told those who had been with them, and they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them. And walked and went into the country, and they went and told the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and the hardness of their heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants. And they will drink anything. Sorry. And, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And there he went and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Oh, that's a lot. 
<laughs> There's a lot in this uh, in this text, and of course, in my expression of my frustration, I can't share everything that I see here because I would be here the entire morning because there's so much here to unpack. Um, we just finished reading the book of Mark and we are now, you know, after this, we're going to commit to the book of Luke. So congratulations. If you're with me and you've been journeying with me through scripture, we've read through Matthew now, we've read through Mark, and then now we're going to be reading through Luke and we're just going to continue reading through the whole New Testament. So please continue to journey with us as we come together um, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I also want to say this before I share any thoughts on this, that I may not be on TikTok every day, but on almost every weekday, I am on Discord at the same time. Right now, my Discord family is on. I love y'all. And y'all get to like post memes and stuff. So there you go. You don't get to do that on TikTok. You don't get to do that on IG. You don't get to do that on YouTube, but you get to do that on Discord. And I've got a bunch of meme artists uh, who are always throwing it out there. So definitely go there. And also it's a place to connect even after the lives. You get to connect with folks who are connected with what we do here and you get to wrestle and drain together and you have people who will pray for you and pray with you. Um, I have actually a text channel called the Prayer Text Channel where we do prayers every Tuesday and Thursday. So please join us. Tomorrow we'll be praying. So I want to encourage you to join us there. It's discord.gg slash Obisfrey. I want to sneak that in before we even get started because I know we're not, I'm not on TikTok and IG as often anymore. So definitely want to encourage you to join the fam um, as we read through the entire Bible. Okay, we've read through the entire Old Testament. Now we're reading through the entire New Testament. And what I hope <clears throat> you're seeing here is, is I hope you're seeing the climax of the biblical story. Um, this particular portion that we re we're reading here is what we call the passion of Christ. And I, and I can't say enough how important this particular portion of the text is. The address is discord.gg slash opus prayer. If anybody's on IG, please post the link for me because I can't do it right now. Discord.gg slash opus prayer. I, I say all that to say that we're beginning to see now the culmination, the climax of the story. We see the biblical story now where Jesus, as we read through the book of Matthew, that what the book of Matthew articulates to us is how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Hebrew hope and the Hebrew promise. Hayward Johnson, I have no problem with whatever translation you read, okay? But let's focus on Jesus, <laughs> right? Because what Jesus is articulating through his life and what Jesus is articulating through his message is that he is the fulfillment. He is the fulfillment of the Hebrew promise. And we see how Jesus fulfills this, the kingdom of God, as we talk about, he is the fulfillment of the Hebrew promise. 
And so as we're journeying through the text, we begin to see what it looks like for Jesus to bring the kingdom of God to earth. He didn't say the kingdom of God is coming. And I think that's the problem that we have sometimes. And I was uh, having this conversation that the gospel is not what a lot of even evangelicals say that the gospel is. The gospel isn't what a lot of people, you know, they'll say, well, you know, um, the gospel is Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And because Jesus died on the cross for your sins, believing in him will give you access to heaven and you get to live in heaven eternally. People have confused that and believe that that simple little thread there is the gospel itself. And that is not what the gospel is, because if that's what the gospel was, then how can Jesus actually proclaim the good news? Jesus couldn't proclaim the good news if the gospel was that he died and and by the by the shedding of his blood was a propitiation for our sins. Now, is that true? Yes, it is true. It is true that Jesus died for the sins of the world. It is true that Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. It is true that Jesus was the Hebrew that fulfilled all that the Hebrews could not do. It is true that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Hebrew law and he's the fulfillment of the Hebrew promise. All that is true. Okay. But while all that is true, family, the gospel is not simply that Jesus died for your sins so that you have a ticket to heaven if you believe in him. The gospel is about the kingdom of God. And what Jesus proclaimed in his life on earth is he proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven is here. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what Mark does is, is Mark says, I'm not going to spend all this time proving to you the message of the gospel, but rather I'm going to show you through the life of Jesus how the kingdom of God has been manifested. How the kingdom, and notice how the, the text ends. That would, it, the, the, the text ends with Jesus dying on the cross with the accusation that has been placed against him that he is the king of the Jews. Did, are y'all hearing me? That he is the king of the Jews. So it closes with that. The cross is actually the culmination of the kingdom of God. It is the fulfillment. It is the finality of Jesus' message, the story of the kingdom. This is the what we call the upside-down kingdom, the kingdom that is not of this world that Jesus speaks about in his discourse with Pilate. I don't have enough time. And I only got a couple minutes. And so with that few minutes, again, we could always do a Bible study some other time on this because there's so much to unpack, even in this particular portion of text. So many powerful uh, uh, subplots within the grander plot of what is happening and transpiring in this moment. But notice how Jesus came in with the boldness. We talked about this, right? Mentos and Coke. Jesus came in with the boldness, disturbed the status quo disturbed the Hebrew establishment, okay? And that's probably why you're uncomfortable with Jesus because that's what Jesus does. He disturbs the establishment. He disturbs the establishment to bring about justice and notice the consequence of the gospel, right? Anyway, that's another conversation for another day. I'm not gonna go there because that's gonna be a rabbit hole in and of itself. And because he's disturbed the establishment, 
they have established a plot to kill Jesus. And this plot to kill Jesus is now being facilitated by one who is closest to Jesus. That is Judas. Of course, Jesus, Judas points to Jesus through an act of endearment. But that's not the point of my message today. I just want to leave you with one thought. Because there's so many thoughts within the one thought. But as I'm meditating on the text, I can't help but look at Mark chapter 14. And if I look at verse 60 and you go there. It says, Jesus now, of course, who has been handed over by, by Judas. He's in court. And now he's facing accusation from the chief Hebrew scribes. The Sanhedrin, sorry, the chief, sorry, Hebrew lawyers. The high court. And the high priests. And it says there that the high priest stood in the midst after hearing all the accusations that have been made against him. And the high priest asks him, do you answer nothing? What is it? These men testify against you. So after all the things people have said about you, what do you have to say concerning what they have said? And the scriptures tell us that Jesus keeps silent. I want you to pay very, very close attention to this because we're going to learn a powerful principle here. They asked Jesus what they testified against him. And Jesus keeps silent. But then in that same verse in 61, again, it says the high priest asked him, watch this now. Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? In verse 61, and Jesus now speaks. So in verse 61, they start with what was accused against him. And Jesus' response was silence. But then when they asked him who he is, Jesus then opens his mouth. And he says, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. I want to make sure y'all hearing what I'm saying and take it for what it's worth because this is so important even in this era and in this time and in this day and age. We have many folks who go back and forth, who bicker and who fight, 
who take the stuff people say and take the stuff that people say that they may have said or may not have said, who misrepresent their actions, misrepresent their deeds, misrepresent the things that they do. And so they sit there and they spend or expend a significant amount of time and energy to prove themselves based off of the accusations that people have made against them. Too many of us have devoted too much of our time and energy defending ourselves for the things that people have said that we have said or we have done. But if you can take some notes from a man who's got a who's got the wisdom that is not even of this world, that your posture for people who accuse what you have done is silence. Jesus is silent. I don't have to defend the falsehood of what you have said concerning me. I don't have to defend the lies concerning the things that you have said about me. However, if you ask me who I am, then I'm going to open my mouth and speak. We should never find ourselves in the habit of defending what we do or don't do. Rather, our defense pertains to who we are. Jesus is not defending what he has said, hasn't said, what he has done or hasn't done. But my God, the moment they ask him who he is, Jesus then opens his mouth and speaks with authority and with boldness. <laughs> I want you to look at something real quick. You want proof? Not only does he stand before the Sanhedrin, but then Jesus faces Pilate. And as he faces Pilate, Pilate sits there and has a little interview with Jesus. And in this interview, in verse 2, chapter 15, verse 2, Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? What does Jesus do? He answers and says to him, it is as you say. Then in verse three, it says, and the chief priests and the scribes accuse him of many things. But what does it say in verse three? It says he answered nothing. So of all the things that they accused that he did, Jesus had nothing to say. But of the accusation concerning who he is, Jesus was ready. He was locked. He was locked in, locked and loaded, ready to go. So Pilate asked him again concerning the things that Jesus has done. He says to him, saying, do you answer nothing? See, you have many things testified against you. And what does Jesus do? Verse 5. Answers nothing. Fam, I'm done. If there's anything today that we need to leave with is that we have to understand the power of our silence. 
is anything you leave with today is understand that you don't have to expend and waste energy to defend things that don't require your defense. There's so many of you here who you have been in the courthouse of public opinion. Be it, call it, it could, it could be in a church. It could be um, not only in a church, it could be at your job. It could be in your family where people keep bringing up accusations of the things that you've done. And are you ready for this? Some of those things you may have done. <laughs> I mean, look at the text. Let's go back. It says in verse 58, chapter 14, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands and within three days, I will build another made without hands. Hold on a second. But didn't Jesus say that? <laughs> Jesus did not need to defend himself concerning what he did, whether he did it or he didn't. This is the issue that we have sometimes is we find we have these 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 pointless, fruitless arguments with people, some of whom, quote unquote, love us or family. There's some of you who you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know that person in your life who over and over again keeps bringing up the stuff that you did in your past. You, you know that person in your life who consistently over and over again brings up, be it true or be it false. They can never get over the things that you said or things that you've done. There are people over and over again who will bring up actions, decisions, words that have been said. And regardless of whether you had apologized or not, because yes, it demands an apology. But at some point, it's not for you to defend the very thing that you defend is who you are are. And I find often more people are silent about who they are and very vocal about what they've done. When Jesus was silent about what they have accused him of what he's done. And he was profoundly vocal about who he is. Family. Hear me out. Hear me, this is so important that you hear this. Preceding his crucifixion, Jesus had to defend who he is. And there at the cross, sitting on top of his head, right above his head, was the accusation, not of what he did, but of what, but of who he is. This is the fulfillment of the kingdom declared by those who place accusations against him about the truth of who he is, Jesus will die for who he is. 
at the beginning of Mark, Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The good news was the good news of the kingdom. And I will say this too. Hayward Johnson, I see you're posting a whole bunch of scripture out of context. This is a whole bunch of scripture out of ignorance. This is idolatry of melanin. Because somehow Jesus was black. And yes, Jesus may not have been white. But my God, if all Jesus was about was his blackness, then Lord help us all. <laughs> Lord help us all. And my brother, I love you and all, but Man, you are exposing your ignorance. You are exposing your ignorance, brother. Jesus Christ. I'm just reading through some of these comments. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you, bro, but man, Jesus, you goodness gracious. My goodness. I mean, I, I would mute you, but I don't want to because it's good to, to just go ahead and put it all out there, brother. Let everybody know where you're at. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny. Um, it's it's funny when, when people, uh, they call, you know, Christianity the white man's religion. <laughs> or they call Christianity the Caucasian faith when... It was a predominantly black-brown movement <laughs> for 300 years before the Caucasians received it. It's like they, they don't realize that even the church that's been, the church in the Bible, the first century church is predominantly West Asian and North African. <laughs> but somehow it's a white man's religion. So, yeah, I, you know, I... I, I ignore because I love, that's all. And, you know, this is why we do the read and rant, by the way. I want everybody to understand this. The reason why we do the read and rant is so that people can read through the entire Bible instead of taking the pieces of scripture that you were given by some guy who's prostrating his demonic agenda on you, <clears throat> enslaving you. It's another kind of slavery. And, you know, all that stuff that, that that he said, I mean, there's so much I can unpack from that. But the one thing I will say, I feel like I'm doing a little quick segue. I know my time's up, so I'm going to close out. But I'm going to leave with this because I, I, I just I love my brother. But, man, he's been all over this thing on TikTok. Um, it's funny when they say that, well, the Bible was used to oppress black people and to enslave black people. No, actually, it was keeping the Bible from them that enslaved them. There was a reason why they didn't want them to learn how to read. And there's a reason why they did not give them scripture. Because if they gave them scripture, then they would know who they are. The slave rebellions, if you go back and read it in, the, in, 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 uh, in American history, came from those who, the, the, those who led the movement were those who learned how to read. 
many of whom actually opened the Bible for the first time and saw what the scripture actually says. <laughs> they were liberated by the, by the scripture and they were liberated by the gospel. They were taught to read. And once they learned to read, they said, hold up. What these people tell us was in the Bible isn't. Now my brother is over here doing the same thing. It's another form of slavery. I've, I've always said this, if there's anything that we shouldn't let even white evangelical Christianity do is take the scriptures from us. And when I say white nationalistic uh, uh, Christianity, is to take the scriptures from us. That's why I want you just to read the Bible. So brother, I'm be, I, people say, oh, you should shut him down. You should mute him. No, I'm not going to mute him because I love, I love the brother. I really do. I really do. <clears throat> um, yeah, and that whole thing of verses were removed. Guys, you know, these are lies. These are lies. Okay. <clears throat> They're all lies. Um, so I love y'all. Okay. Just want to let you know that I love y'all, but I also don't want you to live in ignorance. Um, Anyway, read the whole text, because if you read it in its totality, you'll see that it all has to come together. And the purpose of all of it was to bring revelation to Christ. So with that being said, family, um, I want us to leave with this. I want us to leave with this, and this is so important, is don't find yourself a slave to people's opinion. Don't find yourself in the people-pleasing habit and pattern and rhythm and cycle of defending yourself over and over again. And there's so many of you here. This has been the story of the last five, 10 years of your life. The accusations placed against you won't change the p opinion concerning you because those accusations are followed by agendas. Today, I'm just giving wisdom here. This is the wisdom that we can learn from this closing part of this text. The people who are accusing Jesus don't necessarily believe the things that, that are being said. However, they're putting these accusations against him so as to crucify him. You have the right to remain silent. Because whether you accept or defend your accusations well, it doesn't change their opinion of you. I'm just giving wisdom, giving pastoral wisdom today. It doesn't change people's opinions of you because most false accusations come out of agendas. And if you defend this accusation, then you'll have to defend the next. But here's one thing that supersedes any agenda, and that's who you are. I don't care what you did in your past. I don't care what had transpired. I don't care if you had 
you know, you'd sinned, made mistakes, committed crimes, whatever it is that you did, you are not what you've done. You are who you are by the redemption of Christ. So if you're going to go on the cross for anything, go on the cross for who you are. If you're going to go on the cross, go on the cross, as Paul says. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer is it I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Let us change our posture, fam. Let us change our posture from defending actions and activities to defending identity. You have the right to remain silent today and to be at peace with it because you have nothing to prove to anyone. Nothing. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time, Lord, uh, this moment that you've given us. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you brought these brothers and sisters together. And Lord, to spend time in your word. And Father, we were able to extrapolate wisdom in your life, even in this critical moment, this climax of the biblical story. I know we read it through Matthew and here we read it again through Mark. And Lord, we're just being reminded how important and how critically important it is. Lord, to know what to defend, to know when to speak, to apply wisdom in the words that we speak and the wisdom of the timing of our words. Father, teach us to be silent, to be confident in who we are, so much so that in defending who we are, Lord, we can reveal who you are. Father, we thank you, Lord, that our identity is in nothing else but in you. And so, Father, as we navigate through this day, Lord, bless us, Lord, with wisdom, with boldness that only your spirit can give and bring. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all, fam. Again, join me on Discord, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Okay? I don't know if I'll be doing the read and rant um, um, on IG and TikTok on Wednesday, but I'll definitely be there on Friday. You know what's fun? So here's how, this is what's fun, guys. And I know my Discord people, they love Discord now because there's quote-unquote less distractions, right? Um, but there's a part of me that enjoys um, coming on here because... You know, I have all my folks who agree with me on Discord. And I love y'all. It's less distracting. I can't front. Uh, Discord is less distracting because we're all on the same page, right? However, I love being in this space. I love being in this space on TikTok and IG as well because that's where we have people who actually disagree. And I want you to understand this, okay? I may sound tough sometimes. I may sound however way. I, I welcome disagreement. As a matter of fact, I will also say this, that um, I'm not one to posture or position myself as an expert, okay? There's one thing I know, though, is I know the word. <laughs> and so when people say certain things about what the word says, I say to him, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, 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 no. Go back, re re read the whole thing. And so my job 
and I truly believe this. My my calling is to get you to actually read the word. Don't even take my word for it. And you've heard my Discord family hears this all the time from me. Um, I, I hope my TikTok fam hears this from me. I hope my IG fam hears this from me. Don't take my word for it. Go find it for yourself.